Welcome to Movies and TV with Doug. And now on to our show. Hello everybody and welcome to Movies by Doug. This is a podcast that I've been wanting to create for a long time as a lifelong fan of movies. And finally, I've taken a leap into the arena. Now, this movie podcast will probably not be as technical as some of you like. And I'm sure there are many, many, many podcasts you can go listen to that give you the technical aspects of filmmaking. I like to go off a feel. I want you to feel something when you go see a movie. And that's why I think going to the movie theater is still one of my favorite activities. I will go by myself and escape the world for two to three hours and just enjoy the hell out of myself. And that's what I want people to take from movies. How did it make you feel? Were you upset? Were you angry? Were you happy? Were you crying? Were you sad? That's what movies are all about. It's how you how they make you feel. Do they take you out of your out of your your hectic life? And do they give you that little rest from the grind of every day? That's why I watch movies to escape from reality and to enjoy. And hopefully I could paint that picture for you um, during this podcast. So without further ado, I'm going to get into my first movie review. I picked the movie Seven. This is the American crime thriller. It's one of my all-time favorite movies directed by David Fincher, an absolute legend in 1995. This movie was shown to test audiences that get that, you know, that that feel, that temperature of the room type thing. And people predicted it wouldn't do as well because of the violent immature content which obviously we know this movie's become extremely well known for. Um However, that movie, the movie Seven, went on to gross three hundred and twenty-seven million dollars worldwide. Uh, a smash hit at the box office. It became the seventh highest-grossing movie of the year. The reviews, though, were a little bit mixed um, to start. But as this movie's grown in age and time, it's now regarded as one of the greatest crime thrillers of the last forty years. And I'm completely in on that boat. Uh, It's one of my favorites. I think this is Brad Pitt at his best. Uh, He probably, I would say, my second favorite Brad Pitt movie. And for Morgan Freeman, I think this is the best he he probably ever was in his career. Just excellent as William Somerset. So let me get into um, some more details about the movie. Obviously starring Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman the much maligned and obviously shitty human being, Kevin Spacey. I'm going to, you know, separate the, the art from the horrible human being. I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, give any credence to the, his actions outside of, of the film. And then obviously uh, Gwyneth Paltrow as Tracy Mills. Now this movie starts in the big city we we meet Somerset who's getting ready to retire. He's he's looking forward to his retirement. He's got a week to go and he gets sla- saddled with a young detective from, you know, who was a, a big fish in a small pond. And right away you can see Somerset is kind of disenfranchised with with how life's going in the big city, how he's been beaten down by years of unsolved crimes, you know, high crime rates just the daily, daily battle of being an officer in a big city. While you get the dynamic of Mills, who's the opposite. He wants to go, go, go. He wants to solve cases. He wants to chase bad guys. 
He wants to make a big splash in the big city. And you can see how that dynamic butts heads at the beginning of the film. Now, early in the film, we hear um, Somerset say, you know, over the next seven days, which is a major hint towards where we're going with the film. Over the next week, we're going to deal with what we've come to know as the seven deadly sins. Now, first things first, we run into the first of the seven sins that really bring these two together. And that's gluttony, where we see extremely obese man who's been forced to eat himself to death. Now, when you first see the overweight man sitting there in his bowl of spaghetti, you don't really know what happened, but his, you know, you see his feet are bound, his hands are bound. How did that scene make people feel? Because to me, I, I'm startled by the size of the man and obviously to the extreme at which his size is. And you can see Mills, who's a little bit immature, you know, making side comments about his weight. And you can see how that ruffles feathers with the older Somerset, who's experienced and wants to do a great job up into the point where he even makes Mills leave the scene. And that just ties in more to their dynamic. You can see the butting of heads continue and continue as they go along. So obviously, gluttony as our first sin. This spins Somerset into his research mode. He goes to the library, starts actually researching and doing the hard work that we don't see Mills have that experience level yet. So he's off looking at the pictures, trying to you know tie ends tie together in a different way while we see Somerset, the veteran, you know, doing the hard work. And I think that's part of the part of the learning curve here that they're showing at the same time is Mills gets to that point later in the film. But it's nice to see at the end, at the beginning, that they're such polar opposites. Um, next, we see. We see greed. And then this one kind of a shocking, you know, you see the scale, you see the pound of flesh. Um, you know, getting back to the biblical terms where the lawyer has to cut off his own flesh to try to save himself. And he dies in the process of cutting off a pound of flesh. And then you see in that same scene, the eyes around his wife's um, picture staring at the picture frame that leads us to our next clue, the sloth. Now, when I saw the sloth one, I got the sense of like a terror because as you go into that scene, you know, they find the pictures where they, you know, you see from a year earlier up until three days before they find the body. And then at the at the very end, the police officers leaning over him, telling him he deserved it. And he wakes up and freaks everybody out and everybody flips the fuck out. It's just such a jarring scene that I felt like the terror that that person must have been feeling throughout the scene, because to keep somebody pinned down and torture them for a year straight just the level of maniacal you have to be to do something like that really sets off in my head just a sense of terror so that was sloth um, after sloth we do some more um, research we're getting deeper into dante's inferno the canterbury tales and we're seeing what makes the killer really tick that's when somerset Kind of, you know, starts trying to teach Mills some lessons. You know, Somerset meets um, David Mills' wife. They finally have dinner. And for the first time in the movie, you can see Mills and Somerset 
kind of meshing a little bit. They ever they all have a good laugh over the shitty living situation that Mills and Tracy are in. That leads us to um, Somerset, you know, going to the library. He knows that once you check out certain books at the library, the FBI has a list of all those people. And we get to see the expertise that Somerset's trying to pass on to Mills when he, you know, uses the FBI database to find people who have checked out these books. That's where we meet John Doe for the second time. As some of you might know, before Mills and Somerset walk into the body with uh, for the sloth uh, sin is, we see the photographer taking pictures of Mills and the crime scene. If you listen closely to the voice, obviously you hear Kevin Spacey's John Doe early in the film. Later, we get to see Mills Somerset use the information they got from the FBI to end up at John Doe's door. John Doe obviously catches them at the front door, fires at them. And this is where we get to really see, you know, that awesome rising action type chase scene where Mills is chasing um, John Doe throughout the, the apartment complex and ends with John Doe somewhat mercifully not killing Mills after striking him with the tire iron. That scene right there, you know, you kind of wonder, did Somerset yelling Mills save him or was it just John Doe having deeper plans for Mills? Because obviously we know at the later in the film what happens. So to me, I'm, I always wondered, did he stop because of Somerset or did he just want to inflict more pain on Mills as they went along? So next we move to Saturday. So we've, we're now, you know, five days into the week. That's when we find the fourth victim lust. Now this one is the most brutal killing of the entire movie. The torturous bladed strap on is just, disgusting it makes you it makes your stomach turn and that's the kind of one where you kind of turn your turn your head away and you're like god dang how did we get this far but you know it just plays deeper and deeper into john doe's mindset of how you know disturbed he really is and how far he's willing to go to rid the world of these sins as we, we see in the police car when he's explaining you know, his mission. So then we move on to pride. This one's a tough one because, you know, if just to get into it a little bit, pride is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Uh, we all experience it from time to time in our life. And it makes you think this is a thought provoking scene, unfortunately, for a lot of people. Do you live your life in disfigurement or do you take the way out of, you know, the sleeping pills that were, glued inside her hand. So obviously her face was mutilated and her nose was cut off and she took the sleeping pills because she was too proud to live in, um, live in such horrible uh, physical shape. This is where we get a, a really important scene in the movie. We see John Doe follow behind Mills and Somerset as they're walking up 
and they don't even hear him come up behind them. He's saying, detectives, detectives. And finally, he screams and holds his hands up. And it's just such an important scene in the movie. Everybody draws their weapons on him. And he has the Band-Aids tape over his fingers where you see why they've not been able to find any evidence on this guy. He's literally cutting his skin off his fingers just so he doesn't have fingerprints. It's just an insane, another you know, look into the mind of a serial killer of how far they're willing to go to not be discovered. So comes in to the police station, literally just <laughs> covered in blood from the morning, uh, the Saturday morning where he killed uh, the pride victim and gives himself up, asks for his lawyer. Obviously the police are continuing to find things in their apartment, his notebooks, his thoughts, his really just entire, you know, mind is in this one apartment. You see the photographs of um, all of his victims, and then you see the photograph of Mills, and that makes him even more angry because he knows how close they were to having him, and he shoved uh, John Doe down the stairs when he was taking pictures of him, and he was so close. He had his hands on him, and he just couldn't, it just didn't come together. And this is where we get to the crescendo of the movie. John Doe is turns himself in. He says he will write a full confession if Mills and Somerset take him to the last bodies. So this is where we believe we're going to find envy and wrath to the last two sins. So obviously they're driving out and you hear, you know, you hear his, his credence, his, you know, his mission statement. He's trying to rid the world of the sins, the obese person, uh, the sloth, the drug, the, the greedy lawyer, the sloth, the, the, the drug addicted um, pederast, um, the pride of a woman too beautiful to live without uh, her beauty. And then lust, obviously the prostitute. And all the while, I'm thinking to myself, you know, just what, how far is John Doe willing to go? And my emotions are just like a roller coaster throughout this film. And it's hard to like put your finger on what you felt the most. But the whole time I'm feeling like a level of disbelief, like how far can this actually go? And that's kind of where my emotions were when I'm listening to him talk. Because the first time you watch the movie, you have no idea where they're going. You start to get little inklings that oh shit something very personal is happening to these people um but you don't know for sure so i'm sitting there on the edge of my seat thinking this can't go any further this can't go any further they finally drive out and they get out of the vehicle um brad pitt's leading kevin spacey away from the car to where this spot's supposed to be and then you see this van speeding speeding towards them and this is when Somerset leaves Mills and um, John Doe there while he's checking on the delivery driver. The delivery driver leaves um, leaves the package with Bill or with Somerset, and Somerset, you know, starts to open the package to his chagrin because you don't know if it's an ex- if it's a bomb or something like that. Opens it and he sees the the just you don't ever see it in the film which isn't which is good because that would have been a lot to handle the first time you watched it but 
he sees what he knows he can't see. And that's when he starts to yell at Mills, throw away his gun, throw away his gun. And this whole time, John Doe is badgering, badgering, badgering. And you finally realize it's Mills' wife, Tracy's head in the box. And that's when we get the iconic, what's in the box, what's in the box, freaking out. And you can see the emotion and the pain on Brad Pitt's face. And I think he does such an excellent job of contemplating, do I kill this man or do I turn him in? And then he says one thing too far. He tells Brad Pitt that his wife is pregnant. And that's when you can feel the wrath of Brad Pitt. And that's what John Doe set him up for. He was envious of Brad Pitt's perfect, quote unquote, perfect life, his normal life. And he wanted it too bad. And then I'm going to read you the, the quote for she was begging before Brad Pitt loses it and kills John Doe. She begged for her life. Shut up. She begged for her life. Shut up. She begged for her life and the life of the baby inside her. And then he realizes when he's looking at Brad Pitt that he didn't know she was pregnant. And you can just see his face change. And that's when you know that he's going to kill John Doe. And it had to happen. And, you know, like Somerset says, quotes, David, if you kill him, he will win. And that completes the cycle of the seven deadly sins. Envy from John Doe to David Mills. Wrath from David Mills to John Doe. And that's, you know, that scene right there completes the movie. You see at the very end, Mills is in the back of a cop car and he's getting drove away. And Somerset is asked, you know, what will you do now? And all he, all he says is, I will be around. I will be around. And that kind of, you know, sets the tone that I don't think Somerset was done being a cop after this. He really had to go through this whole ordeal with a young what I call a big fish in a small pond type police officer and learn. He, you know, he ends up learning from him. Their dynamic completely changes at the end of the movie. When they're driving together, they're pretty much partnered They're You know, they're the perfect partners. They've come together to, to stop this serial killer. And in the end, the serial killer unfortunately wins and Mills is taken away in handcuffs. And he's never really, um, John does never really made to pay for his crimes. So some more quotes from the movie that I really enjoy. You know, John Doe talking to Somerset to Somerset quote, don't ask me to pity those people. I don't mourn them any more than I do the thousands that died at Sodom and Gaborah. Somerset responds. Is that to say, John, that you were doing was God's good work? And then John Doe responds, the Lord works in mysterious ways. That whole scene where they're driving him out to the to the, the quote unquote grave site is such a uh, an important dialogue to the whole movie. You get to learn and see so much about John Doe as you're as you're writing out there. It's, it, you know, I'm not going to go too crazy with the quotes. It's a very, very there's a lot of strong, good dialogue in this movie, a lot of back and forth. Overall. I'm going to give this movie four thumbs up out of five. I do believe it is one of the all time best um, crime thrillers that we've had. And I would recommend this to anybody who enjoys uh, 
the the genre of thrillers. If you enjoy Morgan Freeman, if you enjoy Brad Pitt, if you enjoy their work, this is this is them at their best. This is a young Brad Pitt in 1995 who's working his way up, getting bigger roles, and he gets to work with an experienced actor like you know Morgan Freeman, who's more than likely this was his best outing. So yeah, I'm gonna go four out of five thumbs ups. Uh, I really, really appreciate everybody for listening to my first episode. Um, if you have any feedback, hit me up. Um, I will post my social medias in the show notes. And then obviously I'm going to keep getting better guys. This is my first chance, first attempt. It's going to get better. It's going to get more directed. It's going to, you know, be more smooth. So thank you for sticking with me and I will see you guys next week. No spoilers on the movie, but it could be, it could be one of one of the many great Denzel Washington movies. So thank you guys for listening and I will see you next time. This has been Movies by Doug, and that's a wrap on our episode. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.